Good evening, grave robbers, and welcome back to the television graveyard. We are your TV necromancers, Lara Prince and Noah Houlihan. We have come here tonight to examine the spirits of past television shows, to find out which ones could be resurrected, should be resurrected, and which ones should stay doomed. This is a podcast in which we'll analyze the history, the hype, and the aftermath shows that ran only one season, only one episode, or were like pilots that ran later into like 20 seasons or whatever. With me as always is TV's Noah Houlihan. Hi! You scared the crap out of me. <laughs> yeah, we are doing uh, Life of Larry and Larry and Steve. We're doing kind of a double feature here. Yes, it's a double feature for, by that wacky guy known as Seth MacFarlane. Yeah, I know no one's ever heard of him. And yeah. that, like he didn't really He's go on to amount to much. Yeah. And like these projects didn't go on to amount to much. No, not at all. So uh, we're joking. Yes. Life of Larry is a 1995 short. Yes. And Larry and Steve is a 1997 short. Yes. That you might remember from what a cartoon. Life of Larry is fascinating to me because it is uh, Seth MacFarlane's senior thesis project. Yeah, from when he was in college. And this got submitted to Hanna-Barbera on his behalf by a professor. That's when he, crazy. When he was at a Rhode Island School of Design, henceforth known as RISD, mm-hmm. for animation. Oh. I didn't realize he went to Rhode Island. That makes a lot of sense, because that's where Quahog is. Mm-hmm. So, he has this um, this connection to Rhode Island, obviously. And also, this is very similar yes. to what Family Guy turned into. Yes, indeed. But first, before the ice in your abomination melts, let's pour one out. Yes, let's pour one out. What is what is your abomination? Uh, mine's called the Ensign Skippy. Okay. Because Life of Larry heavily features a Star Trek parody, mm-hmm. and their red shirt character is Ensign Skippy. Okay. So this has peanut butter whiskey, um, a pureed banana, and a little chocolate powder. How does that relate to Ensign Skippy? Skippy peanut butter. Oh, gotcha. All right, that makes sense. Yeah. Gotcha. How what? is it? Oh, uh, it's good. It, it's... A lot like my To Riverdale and Back Again drink, I noticed that. Instead of banana, it's more heavily peanut butter and chocolate. It's really good. I'll take a little sip. I had to put ice in it, though, because it wasn't a frozen banana, so it was a little room temperature almost immediately. Yeah, it's tasty. Uh, I'm having what I'm calling a McFarlane on the rocks. Uh, Basically, Seth McFarlane opens this sitting in a nice leather-bound chair, looking very classy, so I figured he would drink like... Scotch on the rock. So I have a little bit of Jim Bean uh, with uh, ice, not whiskey stones this time, some actual ice. And uh, what he makes is actually like very childish humor. So I sprayed Kool-Aid into it. Now, here's the thing. I used to do this to my grandfather. My grandfather used to ask for like uh, uh, bourbon on the rocks. And I put a little bit of Kool-Aid in there to make it fruity for him because I thought I was doing a good thing. Uh, and he would never notice uh, the thing is, I would pour from a pitcher of Kool-Aid a drip into his uh, his drink. What I've done is I use that squirty stuff. That looks... This is so bright red. It is... So basically, what I've done... Actually, Dawn the Vampire McFarland. Yeah, what I've actually done is I've made Kool-Aid 
but I've used bourbon instead of water. This is an audio podcast and no one can see the face I just made. So this is going to be bad. Here we go. (laughs) You like it? No, I don't (laughs) like it at all. It's so sweet. Uh, It's, it reminds me of Dimatap. I'm not going to taste it. I'm just going to sniff it. Oh, no. I think what's so dangerous about it... Smells like poison. Smells like poison. (laughs) What's so dangerous about it is you get, like, no, like, alcohol burn. So, like, I could hand that to someone. They'd be like, oh, this is alcoholic. It's kind of like bad juice. I was like, no, no, no. It's purely alcoholic. There's no mixer in this. (laughs) So that could kill somebody. Uh, No, like, you know there was alcohol because it smells... It smells like alcohol. Horrible. Yeah, I don't know if I want to finish that one. But like, we'll see. Like, when I smelled it, my lizard brain is what went, smells like poison, smells like poison. <laughs> Don't put that in your body. All right, let's talk about this. So we're going to start with The Life of Larry, which is, like we said before, is the senior thesis of Seth MacFarlane. Yeah. So this is before he's anybody. He makes this cartoon about an old man named Larry... And actually, he sets it up very nicely before the cartoon. As I said before, he's sitting in a nice leather-bound chair in front of a fireplace. Yes. And uh, he says that we scared the crap out of him. Oh, hi there. You scared the crap out of me. And introduces us to his creation, Larry, and his talking dog, Steve, and his wife, Lois. Every, and his overweight teenage son, Milt. Yeah. Everyone except Meg appears in this iteration. Yeah, basically. In some form. Yes. And he says, um, see if you can find the Star Trek parody. And my next note, Jesus, this nerd even loved Star Trek then. Yeah. Because Seth MacFarlane hasn't changed in 25 years. No, not really. Uh, because this is clearly like... Him doing an extended... And this is an extended Star Trek parody. Yeah. It's it's the Orville. It's yeah. proto the Orville more than proto Family Guy. Well, we open on... And this is something we'll see a lot of. Steve and Larry on the couch watching Star Trek. Yes. There is zero animation in this movement. In mm-hmm. this moment. Except for maybe a flickering light. The rip is not perfect, so it's hard to say. But like... They're just sitting there, and you hear the TV, and there's no animation. So it's a still drawing he drew for a few seconds. And then we cut to the TV, and the animation, you can clearly see that they drew the cast members of Star Trek, and then only animated the mouths. Yeah. Like, it almost looks like that Conan bit, where they bring out a still picture, and the mouth is a real human. Yeah. Uh, It almost looked like that. Uh, But this will be the first of many eventual Family Guy jokes we see. Where every time William Shatner speaks, he changes positions in his seat. My God, a totally new world, rife with fresh challenges for a bold, rash young whippersnapper like myself. Mr. Sulu, a headwalk line. And they they have a conversation about what he eats. Uh, What they eat in space. Yeah. And how they eat in space. What do you think they eat? Oh, I guess, uh, I don't know, some kind of like space jerky or something, I guess. You know, 
Yeah, because, you know, because they're obviously, well, I mean, Shatner is obviously, you know, getting fed fairly well. I mean, somebody, somebody's seeing to that. Yeah, well, I, I think what happens is he uh, eats his food, and then whatever Spock can't finish, uh, he, he eats that, too. Oh, uh, where, where, where did you hear that? Episode 65. Uh. So that's why he's so well-fed. Yes. And then we, we established that they're going to have a land mission with Kirk, Spock, Bones, and Ensign Skippy. Yeah, and he's like, oh, because he knows he's a red shirt. Yeah, and then uh, Larry looks considerably older than the Peter we know and love. Yes. Larry is white-haired. Bald, short. Yeah, like he doesn't look... He, he doesn't quite have that suburban dad look. Yeah. You can see why his character design changes yeah. considerably. He's not a fat guy. He's an old potbelly guy. Yeah. That gives you, like, an idea. Where it's, like, it's clearly a person who used to be skinny and then got older and fat. Mm-hmm. Not someone who grew up fat. <laughs> and then uh, we see Lois. Now, Seth MacFarlane does all the voices for Lois. Yes. And you can he does, like, an Edith Bunker voice for Lois. Yeah. What's interesting is you can hear Lois, like, Lois's character doesn't sound unlike how Lois sounds now. Yeah. Like, there are definitely similarities between this Lois voice that he kind of does and the voice Alex Borstein eventually does. Yes. Alex Borstein clearly brings a more youthful, sexy Lois. Yeah, absolutely. Because this is, she's also like a little uglier and a little more stylized. I I mean, she's been married to Larry, who is older. So we would imagine she was older. Because like Lois and uh, Peter are what? The end of their 30s? I feel like there might be an episode where one of them turns 40. That might have been an episode. But, like, clearly in this, I would say Lois... Peter Griffin's supposed to be 45. 45. Okay, so yeah. So they're mid-40s. Yeah. I would say Larry is, like, early 60s. So that would mean Lois in this would be early 60s. I just mean she's very stylized in a very... Like, her, her face is, like, squished. Yeah. Yeah, and Lois is intended to be 43. Okay. So, they're, they age them down. And I think that also works because they also spend more time in Family Guy with Peter and Lois as a romance. Right. And you want them to look somewhat more, like, attractive. Yeah. Because you don't really want to see this Larry... You don't want to see Larry and... Um, this Lois yeah. do anything. It's interesting. Larry's uh, voice does sound remarkably like Peter Griffin. It is just Peter. And Steve is... Well, they're both based on a RISD security guard. Oh, really? Yep. Interesting. Uh, what I was going to say is, uh, going back to you want them to be more attractive since it's a romance, uh, I used to do shows with uh, Jay Black. Mm-hmm. And we would do college shows. And I remember him telling me, he's like, you can do sex jokes and I can't. And I was like, why? And it's like, well, if we do a college show and I talk about sex, the children in the audience will think, ew, this old man is having sex. Like, I can't do those jokes here. You, you still look young enough to be allowed to have sex in the eyes of a college student. I was like, what? And I thought he was insane, but then, like, we got out there. I was like, oh, you're right. You are 100% right. Yeah, like, there are shows. 
it, it's such an interesting thing how like performance is so connected to image. Yeah. Of we could buy the Lois and Peter that you're picturing right now, audience. Yeah. As like a younger, vibrant, more sexual couple mm-hmm. than the Larry and Lois of this short who have been very desexualized in their features. Mm-hmm. Um, they talk about uh, shootings. There's a drive-by shooting and they're worried because Milt is out late. Yes. And this is 1995. So like, this was something I had to remind myself. Like, why didn't he just call? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Why didn't he just text his mom like I would have? Yeah, be responsible. No phones. And then we get a cutaway that appears in Family Guy. Yes. About drive-by arguments. I say, Jeremy, isn't that Reginald B. Stiffworth, the young upstart chap who's been touting the merits of a united European Commonwealth? Why, yes, I dare say that's the fellow. Oh, let's get him. Oh, Reginald, I disagree. I say, Jeremy, isn't that Reginald B. Stiffworth, a young upstart chap who's been touting the merits of a united European Commonwealth? Why, yes, I dare say that's the fellow. Oh, let's get him. Oh, Reginald! I disagree! And uh, I do love that the car has a sticker that says Pedantry Rules. Oh, I missed that. And I kind of want a Pedantry Rules sticker for my car. We'll look into it. (laughs) I wonder if that's copyrighted. It should be. Seth, get on it, because you'd make... (laughs) <laughs> Tens of dollars. Actually, Seth, don't. Yeah. Stay doomed. Pedantry rules. Yes. That's our pay-per-view title. <laughs> it's a free a free gift is that sticker when you buy our three packs of shirts, which are, of course, you are a wrong parfait. <laughs> uh, I am completely flaccid. And, oh, I forget what our third shirt is. MatPat is everything I don't like about myself. Yeah. MatPat is everything I don't like about myself. I just realized we made those jokes on the... Uh, Patreon-exclusive episodes. So if you want to know what we're talking about, subscribe to our Patreon. Anyway, sorry. And what's interesting is this thesis, it's not a short cartoon with a plot line. Yes. It is a pitch. Yeah, because the way it kind of... It's proof of concept. Yeah, it's a proof of concept. Like, there are a few moments where it's like, hey, look, animation. Yes. They show Larry very smoothly standing up. And then you show him, like, walking towards the door... And then there's a cut at one point where Larry's walking towards the door and talking. But then it cuts to just Steve lying on the couch. And I was like, he's saving animation there. He he cut to a still picture because he had that. Yeah. Because drawing him walking is difficult. And then it cuts back to him walking. And then we cut back to Seth MacFarlane. And he is an uh, Asian manservant named Wang. Yes. I don't really understand the purpose of Wang. I don't get it either, but I think the idea is that he's a jerk. Because at one point, like, Wang is fussing over him. Mm -hmm. And he goes, Wang, for the love of Christ, you're in America now. Use a napkin. So I definitely get a proto-Carter Pewterschmidt vibe. Yeah, I can see that. From Seth MacFarlane's presentation of himself. Yes. Of, like, rich douche. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, we also see him do a then topical joke about how Larry's embarrassing. And so they go like, remember the time they went to see Philadelphia? Yes. And I'm dumb. I assumed they were going to go to the city. And then it was the film Philadelphia, (laughs) which I'm like, oh, this is May 95. Yeah. That movie was two years old. That would be a topical reference. And this is again, straight up a family guy joke. 
Yeah, so he talks about seeing, having seen Tom Hanks and Big. That guy's so funny. He's so funny. Everything he says out, of, everything out of his mouth is comedy gold. And then Tom Hanks' character says, "I have AIDS," and Larry laughs real hard. Yeah. And we also get then there's the time Larry was on Jeopardy. For eight hundred dollars, this chemical dye is found in ninety-five percent of all cosmetic products. Diarrhea. <laughs> what? Oh, oh, oh! Sorry, sorry. What is diarrhea? Straight, like all he's basically just doing cutaways now. Mm-hmm. He's doing just random cutaways that you would see in a a Family Guy esque skit, and he's doing the Family Guy sketches. So there. Yeah, and like, I mean, obviously it's his property right. because this is a. Uh, it, it's funny because we keep going. He just does a Family Guy sketch. But this is before Family Guy, so it's entirely original in him. <laughs> yeah, Family Guy is reused. He's reusing his little scene RISD thesis mm-hmm. for jokes. It's kind of like when you go back and you take a scene you wrote in something and you're like, I could, I could fix this. Yeah. So, uh, we also see, we go back to Star Trek, and since Skippy's dead, killed off screen, and they're like, there's one thing to do here, and they start doing the West Side Story snaps. Yeah, snaps. And then we go to Lois and Larry in bed reading a paper. Hey, how about that? Associate is another state that's going to uh, abolish the death penalty. Oh, is that right? Yeah, instead they make you share a popsicle with Tom Waits. What state is that? I don't know. I got the I got toothpaste on the article. Looks like uh, Oklahoma-Chusets. Oh, yes, where the wind comes sweeping down the pike. Yeah. So Seth MacFarlane's making musical theater jokes as early as this short. Yes, yes. I, I find it funny because Star Trek musical theater, like, the themes he loves are clearly lifelong passions. Yes, yes, indeed. Uh, I will also point out here that uh, Larry is conveniently hiding his mouth with the newspaper to save on animation. Yeah, I mean, this reminds me a little bit of South Park, how there was always three feet of snow so they didn't have to animate characters walking. Yeah. So... The next couple of pieces are that Larry's going to spend the day with Milton, their son. Yes. Milton looks a lot like Chris. Yeah, very similar to Chris. A little bit more mongoloid. <laughs> like, more like, he kind of looks more monsterish. I mean, like Larry and Lois, he's uglier and more stylized. Yeah. And we get a moment where they're going to go fishing. And we get yeah. a sight gag where they're on Shit Creek, and Larry goes, I swear we forgot something, and neither of them has a paddle. Yes, and I do a rim shop on Laura's shoulder that she didn't appreciate. And then uh, they go to church, and a preacher tells a sermon, like the story of Job. Yes. And God's in the church goes, I hate when he tells this story, yep. which is really funny. Yes, also uh, reused in Family Guy. I have not seen the first season of Family Guy in quite some time. I know I've seen the entire yeah. first season. I mean, like, I would say that these are, are some of his better jokes. So, like... First season of the Family Guy was genuinely brilliant. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, it does start to go downhill. Yeah, there's a great... When I think it's, Seth MacFarlane stops caring. Yeah, yeah. Because... Uh, I'll bring this up now. I remember watching uh, Something, Something, Something Dark Side. The yeah. uh, second... Star Wars parody they did with audio commentary on and uh, Seth MacFarlane in the audio commentary is just like I don't know why I'm here for this I didn't write this I only wanted to do A New Hope 
Fox made me do uh, uh, Return of the Jedi and Empire Strikes Back. I didn't even write this. I just made the interns write this. Mm-hmm. Like, this is my first time seeing it. And then halfway through it, he's like, I have to leave. Yeah. And he just leaves. I was like, oh, he definitely hates this. And when you realize that, like, this concept, he'd been working on this. A family Guy debuts in 99. Mm-hmm. In early 99, mind you. Like, yeah. January 99, after the Super Bowl, if I recall correctly. I think you might be right. This was his 1995 senior thesis, which means you, we can assume, knowing the academic calendar, it was spring 95. That's three and a half, a small three and a half years between a proof of concept short for a grade mm-hmm. and a network debut. Yes. That's bananas. That is insane. Like my aunt's and Skippy drink. Yeah, there you go. Like, that's incredible. We also get this weird, it ends with, um, this weird Newt Gingrich animated bit. Yeah, this is actually during the credits. Yes. Like, during the credits, there's, like, bonus, uh, little sketches. And it's, like, written and directed by Seth MacFarlane. And then this pops up, this little thing where it's footage of footage. It is a cartoon of Newt Gingrich talking. And Larry walks towards the screen, which is very difficult in animation. Like, yeah. Because you have to scale them moving, getting bigger. Yeah. So, like, that's why that shot's in there, is to show that he can do that. Uh, and then he opens Newt Gingrich's head to get coffee. The rip wasn't great, so it's hard to say. Yeah, I forget what he gets. To, to pull car- coffee out of his head. Uh, but what's funny is the next credit that comes up is voices by Seth MacFarlane and Newt Gingrich. Yeah. Because now he had to credit him as a voice. And, like, part of me wonders, like, was that part of his thesis assignment that he had to, like, animate an existing voice clip? Maybe. Like, that seems like something you could see being in an assignment. Mm-hmm. It almost feels like, since you said this was hard to animate... This almost feels like this was the part that was, like, supposed to be showy enough yeah. to get him a good grade. Mm-hmm. Uh, three students uh, helped him film the live-action parts, with one of those students also playing the character of Wang. Okay. Uh, so these were other RISD students who were helping him. Uh, it, they filmed this part in his real house, mm-hmm. which is such a college student thing of, like, we got to film this in my house. Because we don't have, like, a set or anything. Right. His house is nice. Or at least the part he is carefully curated. Yeah, look. it looks very nice. So he, he did a good job curating a monster piece theater. Masterpiece theater. <laughs> Cookie Monster. With Alistair Von Cookie. So that's the 1995 one. I think this is fascinating because it was a senior thesis and so much doesn't change. A lot does change, but, like... A surprising amount doesn't change yeah. between Larry, Life of Larry and Family Guy. Yeah, it's, it's very interesting to see, like, the growth of this. Yeah. Uh, then, he ends up working for Hanna-Barbera for a bit. Because Hanna-Barbera got his demo reel from one of his professors. So he got taken on by Hanna-Barbera, and more specifically about from a Cartoon Network. Yes. Uh, so he produces an Oh What a Cartoon, and he calls it Larry and Steve. And now it's more Steve-focused. Yes. Uh, Steve is a talking dog that is set to be killed at the pound. 
Yes. He is next to die. And he is pleading with everyone that walks by, but no one can understand him. Yeah. Number 27, please prepare for immediate destruction. Uh, but Larry somehow can understand him. So he pleads with Larry to please let him out. So Larry adopts him. Larry adopts him. And they live in the quality apartments. Yes. And this is a joke that repeats throughout this short is the quality blank. When yes. things are not very high quality. Yes. The cue from quality constantly falls off. And he's like, I got everything I need here. A TV, a lamp, and a bed. Yes. Which is great. The dog has his own room. Yes. Uh, the TV then explodes, the lamp then explodes, and the bed... When Steve goes to sit on the bed, a spring flies up and mm-hmm. launches Steve into the ceiling. Uh, so we're going to go shopping. For furniture. For furniture. To quality furniture. Uh, well, not to quality furniture because Larry doesn't know where he's going. And he's reading the newspaper as he's driving. Yes. To the point that he doesn't see that a... There's a fork, fork in the coming. road. And he runs into a pole. A literal giant fork. A literal giant fork that splits the car in two. Larry has the steering wheel and is driving, and Steve is just stuck in the passenger side of the car as it flies down the road. And this is when I'm like, oh, this is a zany family guy, where the jokes are all like visual violence, like a cartoon Instead of, like, a sitcom cutaway that Family Guy is. Yes. So it's weird to see Family Guy presenting this way. As like, yeah, look, the car rips in half, and then they they go through a barn, and they hit a bunch of chickens. But we only see what happens to Steve. Yes. We don't see what happens to Larry's half of the car. Yeah. Steve ends up going through a series of obstacles, uh, including a barn, including... An entire pile of dynamite to which Steve turns to the camera and goes, isn't this a bit contrived? Yes, which I think was very interesting commentary for a kid's show. And then he pulls up and then a guy pulls up in a pickup truck and goes, (laughs) Pardon me, would you have any yellow redneck mustard? In a parody of the Do You Have Any Grape Grape Pond commercials that would have been instantly recognizable at that time. Yeah. What, What year is this? 97. 97, okay. So this would have been inter- like instantly recognizable to even a very young audience. Yeah. Like it used to be a thing to yell at other cars when you were even like seven or eight. Yeah. Do you have any great G- Get ready for this great joke. There was this, this mustard commercial that everybody used to quote kids where a fancy car would pull up to another fancy car and say, Pardon me, would you have any gray poupon? And then the other car would respond but of course and then drive away but not give him any (laughs) buy mustard yeah so yeah that uh that happened (laughs) that was a thing we all did in the 90s that that thing has kind of died down of like yelling commercial slogans because, like, where's the beef doesn't happen anymore. I mean, let me, I'm trying to think of the last time that, like, a commercial, like, really took over. I knew that everyone was going into Subway and singing a song about $5 footlongs. But even that was quite a few years ago. Yeah, the filet of fish uh, Oh, yeah, the give me that filet fish Give me that fish <laughs> M- Maybe narwhals? Narwhals, narwhals, swimming in the ocean, causing a commotion, cause they are so awesome. Narwhals, narwhals. Yeah. 
But that started as a viral video. And yeah. And then became a Sprint commercial? Yeah, if you don't know what the commercial's for, it's a bad commercial. Yeah. Anywho, the car reunites. They have to go to quality furniture, which they end up Where right queue, outside of. And the queue falls off. Yes. And they see uh, Cindy. And they make like a crappy comment about how they could wade through Cindy's makeup. Yeah. And their spokesperson, I forget who their spokesperson was. It's like a Scotsman who yeets himself out the window. Yeah. In like a very quick, very confusing joke. Mm -hmm. It felt very Rocco's Modern Life in that moment. Yes. And then we get a bit with a massage mattress. And they they find this nice massage bed. Mm -hmm. And Larry tries it and it's nice. And then Steve tries it. And it's really nice. And then Larry turns it from low to high. Yeah. And it goes from massaging him with these, like, robot hands to picking him up and just slamming him against a wall. And they go... See, there you go. Now, is that therapeutic or what? How do you feel, Steve? Like Agamemnon after the fury of Clytemnestra. Oh, yeah. You know, that joke that kids are going to get. Well, then Larry stares back dumbfounded and uh, Steve goes, it's a tragedy. And Larry goes, oh, is everybody okay? Which maybe a kid would get. Yeah, but I was just like, that's a really deep cut Odyssey joke. Yeah. And then we get a shot of a plane. And it's a pilot who is sounds and essentially looks like a slightly less exaggerated quagmire. Yes. Like it's definitely proto quagmire. Mm hmm. And then him and a young kid who's his co-pilot, and he goes like, Ricky, I know you've never flown a plane before, but why don't you take the controls while I go in the back and grab a wee nip of the creature? Okay. And so the plane then crashes into the building because this is 1997. Yes. And such a thing would never really happen. Right. And in the wreckage of quality furnishings, Larry comes out to Steve and goes, my card was declined. Yeah. So they go home empty-handed. Yes. They gotta come back next week when Larry gets paid. Mm-hmm. And so this whole short has a frame story of Steve begging for rescue. Did, did we did we miss the lamp? I think we did. Yeah, there's a part where uh, they're trying to buy a lamp and Larry wants to put a more powerful bulb in it. And they're like, you shouldn't do that. He's like, I'm an old man, I can do whatever I want. And it turns into a lightsaber. Right. And he covers his mouth, again, saving on animation, and does a Darth Vader impression and says, Luke, this is your clan lord. You still haven't retained my weed wagon. That hadn't become old yet. Yeah. He's saying Luke and then something other than father. And, like, really not, because this was 97. Yeah. So this was when the special editions were coming out. Yeah. So, like, these... Jokes. It was on people's minds again, yeah. Well, and these jokes were kind of new to the generation that might have been watching it. Yeah. Like, this joke would have been new to someone watching the What a Cartoon show. Yeah, true, true. So, the whole frame story is Steve begging for help, and he finishes with the plea saying, I'm housebroken, I'm neutered, and I'm well-versed in the works of Chaucer. Yes. Which is very, very Brian. Mm-hmm. And he... Uh, Larry goes, oh, I'll help you fix the tripod. And then it falls like a found footage. This is like a found footage horror yeah. movie. And that's the What a Cartoon. 
Yeah. Um, so this was made while Seth MacFarlane was working for Hanna-Barbera for the What a Cartoon, the What a Cartoon show, which was broadcast in 97. I remember this cartoon. I vaguely do as well. Because I used to watch, on New Year's Eve, they would spend all day counting down the What a Cartoons. Oh. And, like, you know, from worst to best, based on, like, audience vote. Hmm, okay. But looking at this, it's very interesting, because uh, the 1995 of 96 and 97 cartoons, I seem to remember all airing together in that six out, in that... uh, Six-hour block. The top three, I believe, went to series. Powerpuff Girls, Dexter, and Johnny Bravo. Okay. And Seth MacFarlane worked on all of those as well. Really? Yes. He uh, spent the most time on Johnny Bravo because he liked that production the most. I I could kind of see his fingerprints on that. So, and in... He pretty much spent all of 1998... Working on the Larry and Steve pilot. He said it took him six months to make and produce. And he essentially just didn't do anything else with his life. He drew the pilot for proof of concept. Yeah. For Fox, which after seeing Larry and Steve optioned it to series. Hmm. And that's why, uh... That's why we have Family Guy. Yeah, and Family Guy is super interesting because he clearly loved Family Guy when it started. Yes. Uh, It's a shame because he clearly does not love Family Guy as much anymore. No, he clearly doesn't. And it's very sad. I mean, he's happy now. He's doing the Orville. Yeah, and American Dad is still running. I don't know as much about his um, relationship with American Dad. Either do I. I know that there was definitely a time where, like, American Dad was stupendous. Yeah. And I really enjoyed it. And Because like, I remember watching the pilot for American Dad and being like, oh, this is just Family Guy with the cutaways. And then American Dad kind of moved away from the cutaways. And it was, like, really, like, interesting storytelling. Uh, I still giggle to myself when they take Steve to... Steve. Uh, just... Yeah. They name, they name the son Steve in American Dad. Yeah. Yeah, interesting. Uh, they take him to a war reenactment, and it's Nom. <laughs> like, just the idea of that is... You're reenacting Nom? So funny to me. Uh, I really do like Seth, Seth MacFarlane. Uh, he, I never did see A Thousand Ways to Die in the West. My father loved that movie. Like, uh, my dad absolutely loved that movie for yeah. some reason. Yeah. Just adored that film. Yeah, I don't... I remember not getting the best reviews, but I, I think... A takedown on the genre of the Western may have come out 20 years too late. You know? Yeah. (laughs) Uh, I think it's interesting because Family Guy's got its own interesting story of they set it up on those Sunday nights and hmm. it did great between, you know, Simpsons and... Like, they sat it between two ratings juggernauts. Like, it was gonna do great. It was between Simpsons and X-Files. Yes. So, like, it's kind of a slam dunk. But then they started putting it on Thursdays. Yeah. Which is not, like, a time we usually see that animation No, definitely not. And, like, they were putting it up against, essentially, all the shows you can name from 1999 were running against Family Guy at some point. Yeah. It was running against Survivor, Frasier, Friends. 
and weirdly didn't do that great against those. Yeah, what do you know? So it ran three seasons and then was canceled. And then... Thanks to Adult Swim. uh, And DVD sales. Yeah, and they said, like, it was three seasons, three fairly short seasons. Mm -hmm. So they couldn't really get syndication to take it, but Adult Swim was buying up whatever they could run. Yeah. Because Adult Swim was very new at the time, and, like... They needed to fill air. Yeah. We'll, you buy, got, we'll buy Clerks. You got 39 half hours? That's 39 half hours. <laughs> yeah. We bought Clerks. Clerks is six episodes. Now how many re- times we've rerun it so far? And like, I think it's funny because this was how I found Family Guy. was like watching it on Adult Swim. Yeah. A little older. And then they started putting it back out in 2005. Right. And it's been running ever since. And, you know, it's still, it's still running. Yeah, it's still popular, uh, somehow. Uh, it is a shell of what it once was because Seth MacFarlane doesn't care anymore, which I totally get. It will be going into its 20th season this year. That's crazy. Well, good for them. Uh, which is pretty crazy for a show that ran, uh, that's been running for 22 years to be at 21, or 20 seasons. Yeah. And really, they missed three years. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm looking at this going, like, did this... Oh, seasons one and two were the same year. That's why. Uh, well, I always think back to uh, the very first episode back. Yeah. The, the way it opens is Peter comes in and says, Everybody, I got bad news. We've been canceled. Oh, no. Peter, how could they do that? Well, unfortunately, Lois, there's just no more room on the schedule. We've just got to accept the fact that Fox has to make room for terrific shows like Dark Angel, Titus, Undeclared, Action, That 80s Show, Wonder Falls, Fast Lane, Andy Richter Controls the Universe, Skin, Girls Club, Cracking Up, The Pits, Firefly, Get Real, Freaky Links, Wanda at Large. And he just lists on and on and on and on and on. Friend of the show, Peter Griffin. Yeah. Uh, And then he goes, do we have a chance of coming back? It's like, well, maybe if all those shows got canceled, we'd have a chance. Uh, I think we should kind of go through that exact thing and make sure we eventually do all those shows. Oh, yeah. I mean, I think we've done, we've done Firefly. We've done Firefly. Wonderfalls has been on the list Wonderfalls has been on the list for a while. I keep forgetting that 80s show existed. I, I feel like everyone did. Yeah. So we'll, we'll eventually complete the Peter Griffin list. Uh, but when it comes to Larry and Steve, stay tuned or stay tuned? It's interesting because I feel like it's very strange to say this about a short that would spawn a 20-season series. The short isn't great. It isn't. The short has seeds of really clever things. And I think the Larry and Steve, like, Larry and Steve has this issue of... Life with Larry was able to do more adult humor. Yeah. Larry and Steve, it had to be all ages. Yeah, Larry and Steve, like, th- this is my big explanation of this. Life of Larry and Family Guy is a Pokemon evolution. Yes. Like, no, that's not Charmander anymore. It's Charmeleon. But it still is Charmander. Yeah. But it's Charmeleon now. So, like, it's kind of hard for me to separate those two. Like, they are separate things, but basically, Life with Larry becomes Charmeleon. Uh, Larry and Steve's over there being a Digimon. Like... 
You resemble this, but you're clearly not. I was going to say that, like, Life with Larry and Larry with Steve are Vulpix and Ninetales, but Family Guy's Alolan Ninetales. It's prettier. It's, uh, way prettier. Alolan, Vulpix, and Ninetales are so pretty. Um, <laughs> you, is that, was that your thesis of this metaphor? Was for you to tell me that Ninetales is pretty? No, but, like, more of, like, there's so much of the same DNA. Yes. But the it's more of like that regional variant that kind of like goes a little bit better. I, I would I would almost say like Like Larry, far-fetched, Galarian far-fetched, and then Family Guy is surfetched. See, when I when I say the life with Larry is Charmander and uh Family Guy is Charmeleon, I mean that the, the evolution actually happened. Like, that's the Pokemon you owned. Like, yeah. I had a Charmander. It evolved into Charmeleon. Okay. Uh, there is something separate about Larry and Steve. Yeah. Larry and Steve is Pokemon Pinball, where it's like, I get that you're supposed to be this, but there's something about you that's very much not this and is for a different audience, and I really don't care for it as much. I agree. I think there's definitely uh, a lot of... A lot of issues with having to be family friendly. Yeah. Because it's clearly not intended to be an all ages show. But the What a Cartoons, and if you watch back through those old What a Cartoons, they're not really for kids, but they have to be all ages. Yeah. Because uh, I think about that with like Johnny Bravo. Like Johnny Bravo isn't for kids. Yeah. Um, because that's why we have the character of Susie later on in mm-hmm. Johnny Bravo. Because she's like the audience avatar in a way. Well, you, you know the fan theory for Johnny Bravo, right? Uh, go on. Uh, Johnny Bravo's eight. And that's just how he sees himself. Oh, I love that. he's an that. eight-year-old kid. That's why he hangs out with a little girl. And his mom. And his mom, yeah. It's just he thinks he's this suave guy. But he's really just an eight-year-old. I adore that thing. Isn't that a great theory? Yeah, like I usually hate fan theories, but I really like that. Yeah, I could totally buy into that one. Uh, So I'm going to say I'm going to give no ranking to The Life of Larry because it did continue. Like I'm saying it is Family Guy. And I'm going to say Stay Doomed for Larry and Steve. Yeah, I think for me it's they're both Stay Doomed by virtue of the Game Over Rule. But we actually kind of see what happens with the Game Over Rule. Yeah. Like, they followed the Game Over rule, retooled heavily, and that's how we got Family Guy. And the first season of Family Guy is one of my favorite seasons of television. Yeah. Which I think would surprise people, because I'm not usually a big adult animation person. But I really liked how clever, especially mm-hmm. early Family Guy was. Yeah. The, the, the Damn It Janet episode, Where's My Fair Lady? Yes. When I watched that, when I was like a teenager, I was like, this is My Fair Lady. There is a wonderful, I think it's a nerdstalgic video. If not, I think it might be a make stuff video. Yeah. Or write stuff, excuse me. Where it explains, like, if you think Family Guy is bad now, here's, like, the reasons. And they, like, plot out, like, cutaways are not cheap jokes. They're done cheaply now. They used to be brilliant in Early Family Guy. And they plot that out for you. And it's a very good video. I'll link it below. And the idea of, like... The Family Guy cutaway taking too long... Yes. ...was a great joke when used sparingly. Mm -hmm. Now I hate Kanye Twitty. But now they do it too often and too much. Mm -hmm. So I think that's very interesting. Uh, I did really enjoy 
watching Larry and Steve because of what it turned into. Yeah, it's definitely an interesting watch and you see the DNA and everything like that. Yeah, it's interesting if you're a dweeb who likes research. Yeah. So. Where my dweebs at? Whoop, to whoop. the front to back. Are you feeling that? Put your pencils up so you can take notes. Can you repeat that? Write it. Well, then write it down. Stop. I need you to stop. <laughs> I, I need you to stop. <laughs> what are we watching next week, Noah? Next week! Uh... This is a special one for me. This is something that's been on the list for a while. We are watching the Ben Affleck-produced ABC show, Push Nevada. If you can solve the clues at home, hidden in every episode, you can win over a million dollars. But you don't have to solve the mystery to enjoy the show. You just need to enjoy a good mystery. And to set it up, Uh, I have a story about this show Mm -hmm. that it's probably one of my best stories, but because it's about such a weird thing, almost no one knows it. Okay. Laura does not know this story. I do not. So even if you have like no idea what Push Nevada is, I invite you to come back next week and hear some stuff. Uh, I want to put out now, I have never seen Push Nevada. No one has. Don't worry. Oh, I know. But sometimes we talk about like things that we have a history with. Because mm-hmm. I think you, you've you kind of said part of the game of our show is going to be that you've seen it and are intimately familiar with it. And I'm not. Yes. I'm going to see if Laura can find the clues. Let's hope I do as well as Murder in Small Town X and The Amazing Race and yeah. all the other shows that I sleuthed pretty good. <laughs> Laura is really good at watching TV. <laughs> She's stupendous at it. Can so. I put that on my LinkedIn? <laughs> So, we'll see, because I know what the answers to Is that a verifiable skill? I know the answers to every episode, so we'll see how well Laura does (laughs) next week when we watch Push Nevada. Thank you so much to crowdfund Crypt Keeper Matthew for keeping the lights on. We need to throw out another poll for what we're going to be watching after Push Nevada. Yes. Here are your choices that are going to go to Twitter, and then the top two will go to our exclusive Patreon poll. First, we have the return from last week, our runner-up. It's Homewrecker. With Ryan Dunn. An MTV anti-makeover show. Uh, Then we have Matthew's Choice. Do you remember Matthew's Choice? Evil Monkeys, which is a British television show. Yes, a British one-off show uh, made by the same people that made Killer Camp. Laura, what are you throwing into the ring this time? Uh, We're going to be doing Family Dog. Not Family Guy. Family Dog, which spun off of an Amazing Stories episode. Yes. And had a brief run as a standalone cartoon series. Yes. Laura tells me there's good research for this show. Yeah. It's a fiasco. I am also going to try to do something a little thematic to yours. I'm doing the 1960s pilot, Rosie, which is about a talking dog. So if you want another old talking dog pilot, vote for Rosie. Is it a ghost, though? I don't know. Is she a ghost? I, I know very little, but I don't want to reveal a sentence about it to you. Okay. <laughs> I like that we watched it and I still had to tell you it was a ghost. So, all right. Uh, where can people find us? You can email us at thestaydoomedshow at gmail.com or on Facebook and Twitter at Stay Doomed. And if you know what Push Nevada is and you want to do a little pre-show chat about it, I'm at Plus Two Comedy. Um, if you are also just really good at watching TV, I'm at Sprocket League. 
Until next time, stay doomed.